0: gentlemen welcome back to another edition of no names all game today is tuesday november 5th my name is chris joined by my co-host pat we are heading into minnesota week it's been a while uh the players took a bye week so we kind of took a bye week as well um i'll say we had plans we had full intentions of doing a michigan state recap and as it sometimes happened life got in the way but we're back we're ready to go eight zero versus eight no pat how you doing man
1: Good, you know, it was nice Rest on those sore joints and muscles over the bye week for us. Coming insane. out fresh this week with a new episode. Listen, Byron on all cylinders. These
0: Twitter fingers, man, it's a real thing. Okay, soreness in the joints, some arthritis happening. So we're uh, we're back. We're ready to go. Very very excited. Uh, so like I said, we are recording this on Tuesday night. It is nine o two p.m. Eastern. So the college football playoff rankings. Um, should be dropping. We were just talking about this. I don't know if they're just going to put it out or if they're going to do like a selection Sunday. Uh, So we'll see if it comes out while we're recording. But let's start there. What's your take on initial CFP rankings? Are you excited? Do
1: you care? What do you think? Oh, of course I care. And I'm going to be extremely upset when Clemson inevitably is ranked higher than us. Because here's the thing is, if you look at it just by resume, Penn State should probably be by quality wins second oh that's a little aggressive i was gonna say third but i like where your head's at where's ohio who have they beaten no one but they're just a wagon so like and maybe it doesn't but i'm saying if you're going just based off resume of who's beaten who fair penn state should be the second ranked team in the country behind lsu yeah okay so give me your top four it's lsu penn state lsu penn state ohio state
0: alabama Okay, we're actually pretty aligned. I think I just flip. I put Ohio state second, and maybe i'm I'm thinking more of maybe not sure yeah now, I'm
1: okay, trying so to th- i I kind of said that i I've looked at Ohio state's schedule recently. How many top twenty five teams I mean they, beat, do they they have they beat Wisconsin and they they beat them handedly okay no yeah i i changed my mind, yeah. I forgot they just trashed Wisconsin. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I, so. f- I think, and, I, and I'm okay with that because I mean, you look at you look at the numbers. They, I think, they're number one in team defense. They're up there in scoring. Like, I'm okay with that. Um, that's sort of what I think it should be: is is LSU, Ohio State, one, two, and then Bama, Penn State, three, four. I don't really care uh, to be honest. Bama
1: doesn't. Have, I don't think. Do they have a top twenty-five win yet?
0: No, they don't. But it's it's. Oh, from, I'm just saying. It's just it's one of those other things. Like it's yeah. it, it, I'm moving is, Penn
1: State to three as well. <laughs> this is where
0: this is where it gets cloudy of like what should happen versus what will happen. So like, what's what's your prediction of what will happen? And it should be happening any
1: minute. What will happen? Yeah. It will be, Bama, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson. See, I think I and I hope or it even could be Bama, LSU, Ohio State. I, I think they'll put LSU one. I, I think there's
0: just too much there for them to even make any sort of case otherwise. Okay. I mean, they're undefeated, and they've got, I mean, just so many quality wins. Um, maybe not so many, but you get the point. So I, I think LSU for is one. For eight games,
1: it's quite a few. Yeah, I think LSU
0: <laughs> is one. I think Ohio State's two. And then I think I think they put Bama and Clemson three, four,
1: just because that's the way these things go. So um, I don't know. I'm just for... infuriated that Clemson has a chance. Yeah to go through the entire season without a single ranked win and make the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean... Like that's sickening to
0: me. This is, this is the whole, do preseason rankings actually matter? And no, they don't, right? <laughs> Franklin talked about that in his press conference today. They asked him, like, how do you promote and keep excitement about CFP rankings? And he was like, you don't. He's like, preseason polls don't matter. Midseason polls don't matter. We're focused on Minnesota, and whatever they give us, they give us. Um, but if you look at it, Clemson... Based on actual performance, yeah, they probably should be somewhere in the four to six range. But because they started preseason number one, they're going to still linger up there. Um, same thing with a team like Georgia; like they lost to an unranked team, and because they started high and because they're in the SEC, they beat Florida, and all of a sudden they're back at number six now. So it's like it's one of those preseason buys. Then they beat things. Notre Dame too, though. Yeah, that's true. But you get you lose. So they've to got an, some good wins. You, you got to lose to an unranked South Carolina.
1: Get out of here. Um, yeah. I think it was. I'm actually I like, like how is? I mean, Minnesota at eight and is it thirteen? Uh, An AP, yeah, yeah. So, so that's yeah. the thing too. And they is, don't
0: have any good wins either. Is the problem? No, they played trash, and we'll get to that very soon in this Minnesota preview episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think, um, I think this. Uh, you know, this is the week where AP doesn't matter anymore. CFP matters only. So, like, you should. What would be really interesting is depending on where we are. Um, we are. Penn State, nice didn't even mean that. Depending on where we are, if we're, say, four or even five, if they have Minnesota in say the top ten, that becomes an even more intriguing matchup because that's a quote-unquote top ten win, right? So I think True. there's a lot of implications here, but I don't know. For me, like, sure, it's exciting. I was just talking with, with the guys, Alex, Tony, Brandon, shout out to them, um, and, and Alex was saying he's excited because he wants to see this is the first indication of what the committee values. Do they value preseason rankings, or do they value quality wins? Do they value blowouts over lesser teams? Do they, you know, close wins, us over Iowa and Michigan, things like that? Like, yes, but at the same time, like, I just don't have faith in the committee to do the right thing. Like, I think they're going to do what they want to do, and it is what it is. Like, we win out, we're in. That, that's my only focus right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the only avenue for penn state to make the playoff is to win out yeah it's going to be super super difficult
0: with a loss and and with a loss you put it in the hands of the voters right um so i mean that's here nor there we could talk about this for hours honestly uh it's gonna of to course it won't matter it. because penn state will not have any losses this yeah season. exactly exactly so let's let's get into this episode um like i said we didn't really do a michigan state recap we will do maybe a five to eight minute segment on that in this episode uh, but we'll focus mostly on uh, Minnesota, 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 go through the game, do some predictions for you guys. We got uh, just a couple Twitter questions, not a whole lot this week, so maybe a shorter episode. Um, but as always, let's start with some quick hitters. Uh, I think they'll actually be quick this time. I always call them quick hitters, then we spend like 20 minutes on them. Um, there's a lot to talk about, but I'm just going to keep some of the top ones here so we can get into the meat. Um, but let's start with some award semi-finalists. Did you see this? We got some guys on some semi finalist award list yeah did you see this you hear about this hey did you see this one (laughs) um yes i have seen so first one the maxwell award which goes to the collegiate player of the year kj hamler is a finalist he's one of 20 or i'm sorry semi-finalists one of 20 total semi-finalists um this is exciting I, i i love this because maxwell is collegiate player of the year very similar to Heisman in the sense that it's all the heavy hitters on that list. So on this list, you've got Chase Young, Tua, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, Jalen Hurts, Travis Etienne, so on and so forth. Um, I think most of the time QBs win this one. Very similar to Heisman, but I think they're a little bit more diverse in the sense that other position players have won and you get the mix of them on the at least semifinalist and finalist lists.
1: Yeah, I actually... I, I, someone made some comments recently about how, uh, a wrestling guy, about how what a stupid award the Heisman actually is. Yeah. And I kind of agree with him. He's like, the Heisman is like if, um, the equivalent of the Heisman in wrestling is called the Hodge Award. Yep. i would be like if the pool for Hodge Award winners were only 157 pounders from the Big Ten. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what it is,
0: right? The Heisman is quarterbacks on top 10 teams. Like, that's basically it. Yeah. Or at least on Power Five teams. Um, yeah, yeah. That being said, and this could be in a whole other topic as well. I think, I mean, we we've given the Big Ten baller out a lot, and, and you know, we won't do that this week with the bye week. But Chase Young, man, that dude is is the truth from Ohio State. At the end, he is the real deal. Um, if he's not a finalist for the Heisman, like I kind of give up all faith on that. Like I don't, I don't think he'll win it. Just, I mean. I think he should. I don't think he will. Just because that's what the Heisman does—they give it to the quarterbacks. But man, that guy is is doing really well. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a force in there. Um, but that that aside, what we're doing right now is we're celebrating KJ Hamler being a semifinalist for the Maxwell Award. Um, chances of winning? What do you think? Um, not incredibly high. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh. Unfortunately, with all the heavy hitters, um, some of the guys that are just putting up insane stats, uh, you know, I don't think KJ is going to win this one. But I do love that he's on it, and honestly, out of the twenty guys, I think, I think I would put him right in that like borderline top ten out of all of them. You know, all those names I just rattled off, I think he's, I think he's firmly in that mix. And then, you know, the guys that I didn't list probably fall below him. So good exposure for our guy. Uh, love seeing him on there. Next one is the Bednarik Award, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh both What would I say? Bednarik. Isn't it just Bednarik? Bednarik. I don't know, man. I'm not a pronunciation guy. <laughs> B-E-D-N-A-R-I-K. B-E-D-N-A-R-I-K. Oh, I guess you're right. I don't know. The, that award that goes to the defensive player of the year, you? you all know what I'm talking about. Uh Yitor Gosmatos and Micah Parsons, both on the list of semifinalists. Uh, same thing, 20 total semifinalists. Um I love this. I love I love that you get to see two guys playing two different positions at an incredibly high level, um, recognized on the semifinalist list. I don't know when they trim these down to finalists or how many go to finalists. Sorry, I probably should know that, but um, yeah, shout out to Ytor and Micah. Any thoughts on the Bednarik, 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 Bednuric award?
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to be excited to see him on there. I think it'll probably be tough for them to win that award again. You know, yeah, Chase Young. Uh, you've got a very balanced Penn State defense where a lot of guys, you know, put up some good numbers. But I, it's one of those things. It's cool to see him on a list. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: and then the final one, the semifinalist, where I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think this guy's got a real good chance to win this one. Is the butt kiss award? Am I saying that right, Pat? But yes, kiss. you are.
1: All right, Dick thank Butkus.
0: you. Uh, the butt kiss award for the nation's best linebacker, Micah Parsons, is one of twelve semifinalists. This definitely seems to be our best shot at an award. I mean, looking at that list, and this is, I think this is a, a combination of a couple of things. One, linebackers are just not, they're not the sexiest players on a defense like a D end would be, or, you not know. Not anymore. They like, used to be. Right, 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 right. Uh, but like when I looked at the Defensive Player of the Year award, I knew some of the D ends, I knew some of the defensive backs, I, you know, I knew some of those guys. Looking at this one, the Butkus Award, I knew Joe <clears throat> Bachi Bachi from Michigan State because I couldn't pronounce his name, and he yeah, just got busted for one, he just got busted for PEDs yeah. or some shit. So like Micah's I, he's got a real good chance to beat him out. Yeah, exactly. So I knew him, and then I knew like one or two other guys, and like of course I recognize names, but like actually know the players and like know what they're doing. There weren't as many as I recognized, so I think Micah for the season that he's having. The player that he is, the impact that he's having, I, I would, I think I would be shocked if he's not a finalist. Again, I don't know how many they trim it to, twelve to, if it's 3, 12 to five, I don't know, but I would be, I'd be pretty shocked if he's not a finalist. Great. So, uh, Micah, love you, man. All right, a couple other quick hitters, very quick. Um, since we've last spoken, this is old news at this point, but the NCAA has voted on, and I love how this is phrased. They've, they've committed. To start working on figuring out how to allow players to make money off of their name and likeness. So basically, like, yeah, we're gonna do it at some point and figure things out. And sure, quick thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're it seems like they're really taking a, a, a hard stance here. <laughs> yeah, I think. Like, uh, could, could you come up with them like more of a name that's like, yeah, we're still gonna try to make sure this doesn't happen. Right. It's and yeah. There, and there's one clause in there. It's like the last
0: words are like consistent with the nature of college football or consistent with something, something. Um, it's, I I think they had to do it. I'm I'm shocked that they caved this early. I thought they would fight it for a lot longer. Yeah, me too, actually. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a huge step in the right direction. They say that they want like, they want their blueprint for rules and governance in place by like January, 2021. Um, but it's, I mean, you're not really going to see this for, you know, three, four years down the line, probably, but it's a, it's a huge win. It's a movement in the right direction. And hopefully it brings back NCAA, the football video game
1: for Xbox. Most importantly, EA Sports to the game. I fucking love that guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hey, I, I, pen, let me tell you in my, like most recent iteration of NCAA football, Penn State hasn't lost a game in like 17 years. Right? <laughs> Are you still playing NCAA 14? <laughs> no, my, my my Xbox actually finally gave out before I could stop playing NCAA ah, 14. <laughs> nice, nice.
0: Yeah, man. Listen, if that game comes back, figure out whatever the hell you have to do. Pay them as much as you want. I don't care. Just let me play. Uh, moving on. So, uh, big week for some former Penn Staters. I know earlier in the season we were keeping a close eye on uh, some of our transfers. Things haven't been going crazy well for any of them but this last week some tides were shifting man did you happen to catch that Oregon Ducks game I did I was watching it actually at a USC
1: student bar so no I, way I caught it
0: yeah <laughs> what was the uh, what was the sentiment like there when Jawan Johnson was absolutely carving up that defense
1: let me tell you I was less than impressed by uh USC like football culture oh really and this bar was filled with Oregon fans oh geez and you're in LA Very close to USC. I was next to the campus. (laughs) That's terrible, man. (laughs) Like I thought, I was watching in my neighborhood. Like I went to USC to watch.
0: Jeez, that's brutal. Um, Well, anyway, sucks to be those guys. But Jawan Johnson, seven receptions, one hundred and six yards, and three touchdowns. Um, This made me so happy, man, because we've talked about it. Like we, I think we're both big Jawan Johnson fans. New Jersey kid. We wanted to see him succeed at Penn State, and fortunately, just didn't work out. This is really his first breakout game at Oregon. He's uh he's I know he started the season hurt. He wasn't really playing. He's only suited up, I think, the last two or three. Um so to come out, put up three touchdowns. I saw a stat, somebody tweeted it. In his first 39 games between Penn State and the one or two that he played in Oregon, two touchdowns total. This game, (laughs) three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I mean this is his first like real breakout game ever, kind of. Yeah. He's had big Like a really big moment. Yeah, he's yet to have like a huge game in his college career. That's fair,
0: actually. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, he's had some big catches. You know, the Iowa walk off, the one hander at Ohio State. Um, but as far as like production, yeah, this is this is probably his biggest biggest game to date. And and you got to think too. He's he's you know he's looking at the NFL, right? This is part of the reason you transfer because you got one year left, right? I think this is his final year of eligibility. Maybe one more. Um, maybe I think he's got one more. Yeah, we'll fact check that. But obviously, he's looking in the NFL. He's trying to have scouts notice him. This is a huge, huge game for him. Very happy to see him succeeding. Uh, Next, we go from Oregon down to Mississippi State. And our guy, Tommy Stevens. Um, He's missed some time with injury down there. He wasn't playing great early on. The team has lost four straight. Um, But this is his first start in three weeks. Great bounce back game for the W. Uh, stats don't pop off the the page. Twelve for eighteen, 172 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And then he added 15 carries for 74 yards. But man, just great to see him back on track as well. Yeah, it's some good production on the ground too. Yes, they they had something like 400 yards rushing in that game. It was it was something ridiculous. I saw them tweet Jesus. it out. Yeah, we'll have to get that actual stat. What's our. We got to get a stats and info department so they can spit the shit out at us. You, you are the stats and info department. I know, and I don't like that because <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We started this podcast, what, about a year and a half ago, and we talked, guys, we're not hardline stats, guys. We're not numbers, guys. We're just your average fan. And now every episode I come in here with a fucking sheet full of numbers. I don't like it. Moving, oh, on, do. moving on to more numbers. <laughs> One more former Penn Stater, not in the transfer portal. We'll talk NFL. Um, <laughs> We haven't really highlighted a lot of the NFL either. You know, Chris Godwin is doing amazing. Saquon Barkley is Saquon, and unfortunately stuck between a uh, behind a horrid offensive line in the New York Giants. Um, You know, guys are guys are doing well. Alan Robinson not the worst offensive line in New York though. No, that's sadly. We're not going to talk about Jets right now. I can't. I can't bring myself to get there. Um, Allen Robinson's doing his thing. Mike Gesicki's actually coming along. He had four or five catches against our Jets. Um, he, yeah, he had a breakout
1: day. Yeah,
0: so guys are doing things, having good seasons. I think Godwin is probably the biggest story of the season so far, the way he's been playing. But Miles Sanders is quietly having like a pretty incredible rookie year for the Eagles. Have you seen some of these tweets before? I put them in the in the note stock today.
1: Yes, I have. And uh, so it's one of these seasons where, like, so I have him on my fantasy team. And he's not having, like, a breakout fantasy season. He's having an okay fantasy season. Yeah. But he's having, like, an incredibly productive rookie running back season is what he's having.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, like, I mean, the Eagles, I don't know their record off the top of my head, but they're not, like, they're not a powerhouse. Um he does split carries with Jordan Howard, so it's not the same where we saw like Saquon, his rookie year, just go off and he was the guy doing it all, but like, I'm going to read some of these off, and these are tweets. Some of them are before this weekend's game, so like, don't nitpick me if they're slightly off, but whatever. Um, Miles Sanders, first NFL running back to record... Running back, not rookie. Running back. Uh, no, it is a rookie stat. Cut this out, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Miles Sanders, the first NFL running back to record 500-plus scrimmage yards and 250-plus return yards in their first eight career games since Adrian Peterson in 2007. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's good company. AP's not bad. And again, not a lot of starting running backs are your returner these days, but still, very cool. Uh, Eagles, not named to Deshaun Jackson, have 10 plays of 30-plus yards this year. Seven of those 10 are from Miles Sanders. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty yeah. Uh 300 rushing yards and 300 receiving yards in the first nine games of your career the last 30 years. Ricky Waters, Marshall Falk, Edron James, Javid Best, Le'Veon Bell, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders. That's the list.
1: That's good company.
0: Pretty. I mean, Javid Best, I don't know how he snuck in there. He was pretty dirty back in the day. But anyway, again, like I know you can cherry-pick stats and make them look however you want, right? Like, sure, he doesn't have the touchdowns, and maybe he doesn't have, you know, just the, the most straight-up rushing yards. I think Josh Jacobs is beating him okay. in both of those categories. But, like, there's a lot of cool stats in here. Uh, two more quick ones. Miles Sanders has more catches of 25 yards or more than Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Larry Fitzgerald, Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, or DeAndre Hopkins. What? Yeah. That was on October 28th, so like I said, that was before this week's game. But more catches of 25 yards than all of those big-time receivers.
1: The DeAndre Hopkins one blows my mind. I
0: mean, and I, I thought, like, these were fake tweets as I'm going through them, and they're like, no, they're actual Philly reporters, so I believe them. Uh, and then this last one, a uh, tweet from November 3rd, so this was actually after these games. Uh, His rookie ranks, number one in all-purpose yards, number one running back in receiving yards, Number one running back in receiving yards per game. Number one running back in 20 plus yard catches. Number one running back in 40 plus yard catches. Number one in yards per touch. Only guy with 250 plus rushing and 250 plus receiving. So I think all of those things said, like it just kind of goes to show that they're using him in a way that, again, in the world of like fantasy, it's not going to pop off. But like he's contributing to this team in a really strong way and He's gonna have a bright, bright future with the Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely. Oh, I need to catch my breath after all those numbers. Jesus Christ. Um. All right. Quick hitters. Yeah. How how quick are they today? Chris, we're at twenty minutes. already. Um, oh, all right. So quicker one, than usual. This one should be real, real quick. Uh, the rumors are swirling again. Coach James Franklin, not only to USC, but now he's going to be Florida State's head coach too. What, uh, what are your quick thoughts there? That's ah, too humid down there. He's not going. It's just so dumb, man. I don't get it. Like, and I, I, I tried to actually put together like a real thought on this, um, because like, yeah, like all the Penn State accounts scream it. He's a Pennsylvania boy with a Penn State heart. He loves it here. He's not going anywhere. And like, yes, I agree with all of that, but I think the conclusion I came to is like. I think probably three more years, throw in another big Ten championship, maybe make a playoff appearance, and his name will stop being put into that conversation because you look at some of those like established coaches, like their names are never involved in this, right? He's a guy that like he's been here just long enough that he's had this success, but not quite long enough
1: that he's like locked
0: in as the guy of the future. You know what I mean
1: yeah, yeah, he's not the the Sabin. Yeah. The Dabo Swinney. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um,
0: so that's sort of how I take it. Like, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think there's any reason to go anywhere. I think this does give him a lot of leverage to, like, either, I don't know if he needs more money, but, like, pay his assistants higher so they don't leave or, you know, you know, leverage for more facilities or whatever they need to do. I think that's a good thing in a sense. But, like, I just don't see any realistic scenario of him leaving. Um, yeah, I'm not going to spend any more time on this one. That's not happening. Not happening, people. All right. And the last quick hitter, um, shout out to everyone who has retweeted uh, my video for the Sack Out Hunger. Uh, we are giving away some t-shirts. Pat asked if he could get one. Pat, if you retweet <laughs> it,
1: man, you're eligible. Um, I, I did retweet but with the caveat that this was not to end of the competition. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so we got we got
0: like fifty plus retweets. Um, a couple a couple that'll be that same caveat. My mom my mom retweeted to to spread awareness, but does not want the shirt. Thank you, mom. Shout out. Um, so yeah, really really cool. Uh, glad to be a part. We got some love from from Coach Spencer and uh, the Trained in Chaos crew. So really appreciate those guys. Uh, we will do. I I think I said I'm gonna do the drawing on Thursday is my plan right now. Um, we'll do you know put all the names in one of those random wheel generators you can find online and. People win some cool shirts. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, go ahead and retweet that. You still have a chance. If you're listening to this on Thursday or later, maybe next time. All right. I'm talking a lot, man. Um, Let's do a quick, 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 real quick Michigan State recap. Real quick because we got a lot of Minnesota stuff to talk about. So it's days later, but uh, I'm going to let you take the start on this one. I don't think we have Lambs. We're not really going to talk about anything bad. It was a good win. It was a good quality win over a team that's bent our Achilles heel. Give me your like
1: lion player of the game kind of thing. Any high level thoughts? Got to go with Patty Frymuth. Three touchdowns. Had a huge day. Uh, just finding pay dirt three times. You know, your tight end isn't always going to put like a billion yards, but three touchdowns is you, keep, you can't say enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I think uh,
0: I think the stat, and I don't have it handy, but I think he tied the all-time record for tight end touchdowns at 15. I think he tied Gasicki. Yeah, uh, so he has the rest of this year and, and all he's of won next a year. Yeah, so all of this year, the rest of this year, all of next year, I think he's going to break that record. Yeah, I, I I think that's a you know he's going to shatter the good, good record. Chance. Um, yeah, he's the clear and obvious one. There's a couple of guys, uh, a couple guys on the defense I was thinking about, but I'm actually, I don't know if we've given him one yet, maybe one or two. I'm going to give it to Sean Clifford. Um, I think this is the first, which is, it's funny. We talk about him all the time. (coughs) Uh, We had that question last time of like, why we're so hard on him. And again, it's all love. It's cause we know, like, we know what he will turn into. I think this is the best game we've seen of him all year, um, yeah, there were there was the one bad interception, which
1: it happened. Whatever, yeah.
0: I'm over that one. Um, but he looked comfortable, which we haven't fully seen. Um, the first touchdown pass to Fryermuth was, like, one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen in my life. I don't know, yes. like, I don't know why he had the guts or the confidence to throw that, because, like, several defenders could have made that play, but he drops it in so perfectly they were, like, stunned. We're like, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, that shouldn't be able to happen." Um he had a couple of really nice ones. The the drop from Chizena was a beautiful deep ball. It, it's fucking pouring raining and he's just standing in there commanding the pocket, looking like a pro. I was like, I was beyond pleasantly surprised. And again, I'm, I like I don't ever like I don't ever really like get upset by Clifford, but there's always those like maybe I'll say like aggravating moments. I'm like, Oh, you could have just a little bit
1: more. And like, I don't know. I felt really, really good about him this game. Oh, absolutely. And I'm telling you what, these are the best deep balls I've seen him throw as a starter. Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. He did have some gems. What is high high has been snubbed. (laughs) Best passer rating in the country. That's right. Um, yeah. So overall, just quick, quick thoughts. I thought this, thought this was a great game. Um, you know, we, we had sort of that same, that same uh, lull in the offense, but a lot of people saying the rain started coming down harder. Things are different. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to complain about this game. It was a good win against a team that has killed us the last couple of years. Uh, really good way to go into the bye week, getting a strong win over that team. Um, I feel
1: good. Yeah, I mean, it's like the only thing that makes it concerning is that like it seems to keep happening that we don't manage to like put a full, like, consistent offensive game together. But it's not, I don't know, it's, it's not a huge worry of mine at this point from that game. Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, quick breaking news, they are releasing the college football playoff rankings right now. Uh, they are doing it from the bottom up. Uh,
1: Perfect, that's exactly what I wanted.
0: Uh, so 25, SMU. 24, Navy. This is great content. I'm just going to read this out when everyone's already seen this on Twitter. Oklahoma State, Boise State, Memphis, Cincinnati. How far have we got, Chris? Uh, well, uh, we're up to number seven, and we haven't been ranked yet. So,
1: Okay. Still Who up. is six and seven? <laughs>
0: I can't read all of them. God, people want to know. No. No, I'm just kidding. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so let's go from the top ten. Florida, number ten. Oklahoma, number nine. Utah, number eight. Oregon, number seven, so Pac-12 getting seven and eight.
1: Okay.
0: So that means you're five. So your your top top ones remaining, LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Penn State, Georgia.
1: Right. Okay. And where's Minnesota
0: at? Oh, great, great question. Uh, Minnesota. Yo, if Twitter keeps scrolling up on me while I'm reading something, I'm gonna kill them. Oh, you hate to see it. it. Pisses me off. Whoa, Minnesota is 17. That sucks. What about Iowa? Iowa's 18. And Michigan? 14. 14. And Rutgers? 360. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am shocked they have
1: Minnesota so low at 17. Yeah, I mean, I know they haven't played many people, but 17 for an undefeated team seems... I mean, you look at the people that are ahead of them. Kansas State at
0: 16. They had that one big win. Um, Who'd they take down? Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame at 15. Michigan at 14. And Notre Dame's got two
1: losses, right? Yes. To Georgia and to Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And Um, they look pretty handily to
0: Michigan. Yeah, that's – I don't know if I love that. Notre Dame at 15. Michigan at 14. Wisconsin thirteen, Baylor twelve, Auburn eleven. All right, give me the top. Give me five and six, because then I can know whether we can keep this show going or not.
1: All yeah, right, we'll have
0: to. Yeah, we're just gonna hang up, guys. By the way, if we if this is bad, burn down the city. Number five, Clemson.
1: Oh, oh baby, we're in the top four, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Remember how I
0: said I don't care? Remember how I said I don't care? Poker face, poker I'm face. Very much fair. I'm just. That's awesome.
1: Oh, I like it.
0: Number four, Penn State. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Gotta say,
1: I'm proud of, of the selection committee.
0: So proud. Um. All right. Listen now, 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 more than ever, complete control of our own destiny.
1: Yes. Complete. We're in the. We're in the four. Win out. The one, You're in. The one thing I think is weird, though. Is that we're above Clemson, but Alabama, who also doesn't have any quality wins, no, but I that's are really blowing everyone out. Though is the difference. Yeah, they didn't almost true. lose to UNC,
0: right? And Bama, like, it's. I think it's one of those things. It's. It's. It's history. It's the talent. It's Tua, their wide receiver core. Like Trevor Lawrence hasn't played like he did last year. Like he's still great. They still have a great young receiving core. But like Bama, I think the talent on Bama is just next
1: level. Um, yeah. All right, show me three. I don't think it's fair to evaluate talent. I think you have to evaluate Oh, of course. Resume. I agree yes. with you, but
0: that's what I'm thinking. Alabama is number three. So Penn okay. State four, Bama three. Um, I would imagine it goes Ohio State and then LSU.
1: At this uh, point, I don't really care. All right, I am live tweeting. I have, a, tweeting as I have what I wanted. This. Oh, my God. I mean, he, well, here's my thinking about Clemson is – if they somehow, which is possible, somehow managed to get through the entire season without a top 25 win, how do they deserve a spot in the college football playoff any more than 2017 UCF did? Um, they don't, they don't, yeah, yeah they don't. How would
0: they get there? I, I could understand how the community would do problems. it because they're biased as fuck, but do they deserve it? No, um. All right, so your, your final rankings, Georgia is six, Clemson is five, Penn State four, Bama three, LSU two, Ohio State one? Ohio State one. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay, so all of that said, all of that said, Minnesota, 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 Minnesota. Minnesota. That was pretty cool we got to react to that live, um, but like I said, I, I feel... I feel comfort in the fact that we control our own destiny.
1: I, I agree. We, yeah.
0: If if you don't lose, there's no way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's an overstatement. Maybe if there's close wins or something, they would drop us, but I don't think so. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, that live reaction was brought to you by pure adrenaline. Um, I'm just really hyped up right now. <laughs> Let's jump into the Minnesota game. Um, a lot of notes, a lot of things to go over. What's your general, general feel
1: about this game? So, obviously, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious we're the better team uh, just because we've beaten anyone with a pulse. And the, the weird thing about Minnesota, so you look at the – despite the fact that they're undefeated, did not look impressive at the beginning of the season. Beat South Dakota State by a touchdown. Beat Fresno State by three. Beat Georgia Southern by three and then beat Purdue by seven, a, a touchdown. You know, like, yep. those are not, like, those are wins where if you're a Minnesota fan, you go, all right, we won, but, like, we're going to get killed soon. And then they murder Illinois, who is bad, admittedly, but who beat Wisconsin, just trash Nebraska, rightfully trash Rutgers as well, and then kill Maryland. So, like, it's a tale of, almost, despite being undefeated, it's a tale of two seasons where, like, they're winning, but it doesn't look good compared to this is what you're supposed to do against teams. So there it's interesting. Maybe they are this team that's blowing out bad teams or maybe they're this team that's beating bad teams by one score. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, And it's, it's funny because like, like you said, the schedule hasn't been very good. I mean, like those those close wins early in the season, okay, you're figuring things out. That's what's supposed to happen, right? If if say that back half of their season, right, the first four they're winning they're winning close, and then the second four they're kind of blowing out. If they had any like real opponents in there, I'd feel a little bit more concerned. Of okay, they figured things out and they're beating good teams well. No, they figured things out and they're beating Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, and
1: Maryland. Not exactly murderers row. Yeah, I mean I think their best win is Purdue by seven points. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, I don't really see a whole lot else. <laughs> right. So so like all that. Maybe said, maybe you could say Maryland by like forty-two is the best win. Yeah, but Maryland but like the Maryland's yeah. fallen apart since we beat them. Exactly. Like we we had so not high hopes, but we had like some little bit
0: of nervousness going in that game, and since then it's just been terrible. So um yeah, I, I think I think all that considered this is another game that scares the shit out of me. Like, we are the better team. James Franklin just tweeted, Minnesota, 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 Minnesota. <laughs> I love that guy. I'm um, the ball. Yep. So, like, yes, we're the better team. Yes, this is a historic run for Minnesota. This is a, a, a territory that they have really never been in before. They, you know, should, shouldn't know how to handle this, but they're playing with the confidence. They are playing with, like, just this swagger that they think they can beat anyone. I mean, you saw PJ Flex pitch to get them uh, game day, which spoiler alert didn't happen. Uh, they're going to LSU, Bama. Granted, like, makes sense. It's a given, um, but like you watch, <laughs> you watch that uh, that pitch from PJ Fleck, and you're like, okay, I can see why teams rally around this guy. I can see why he's able to get his guys together. He just signed a seven-year extension today. Did you see that? I did not. They locked him that's up. A lot of years. They locked him up for seven years. How good is that? You go eight and zero, and then you lock up an extension before you play <laughs> Penn State number fourteen. They should have just structures. made it eight
1: years just for continuity,
0: right? That's oh wow. That's that's it. That's like shaving your playoff beard. They just screwed it. Um. So let's look. Let's look at some general notes, and then we'll get into some some team stats. Uh. So did
1: you know that this game has a trophy? I did know that. Yes. I had no I idea forget what it's called though. It's like the the Governor's Trophy or something? Governor's Victory Bell. Um,
0: It definitely looks like it's lighter than a land-grant trophy, but it's like similar in stature, got a little bell on it. Uh, Apparently this was given or started in 1993 when Penn State joined the Big Ten and played Minnesota as the first Big Ten opponent.
1: Fun facts. Okay. Uh, That's the only fun fact. Both states also have governors, so it makes sense. Look at that. Look at that. Only two states yeah. in the country
0: that have governors. I think. I didn't say that. I'm just saying <laughs> both of these states do, in fact, have governors. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do not all states have governors? I'm going to expose myself no, they, right now. Every state has a governor. Yes. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know where the joke was going here. I was like, wait, am I missing something? <laughs> nope. Okay. okay. It's been a long day. Sorry, everyone. Um, all right. So the only meeting of the James Franklin era was 2016. Uh, everyone remembers that game. 29-26. Overtime win sparked the Big Ten championship run. Um, this was one year prior to P.J. Fleck arriving from my limited research. So, um, yeah, like we mentioned before, both teams 8-0, uh, both teams coming off a bye. Um, Minnesota is 8-0 for the first time since 1941, uh, and they actually went on to win the national championship that year. So got to keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, anything
1: that happens before World War II, I'm not keeping too, <laughs> too close to the front of my mind. You don't give any uh, statistical significance yeah. to that? Yeah. To any time before the U.S. deployed in World War II.
0: <laughs> Fair. Uh, Penn State is 8-0 and for the first time since 2008. Um, so obviously a lot on the line here, right? Uh, you know, College football playoff at the line, uh, unbeaten records. This is the first time they said in history, too, that four 8-0 teams are playing each other in the same weekend. Because Bama and LSU are both 8-0 yeah. playing each other. We're both 8-0 playing each other. That's crazy. This is like a. going to be like a weird weekend. I feel it. Um, but yeah, a couple of quick quick stats and notes about the team. Uh, this is from some of the team. Um, By the way, as a guy, Penn State fan, who
1: do we root for, Bama or LSU?
0: Um, I think you root for LSU. Right, because, because we could go above Bama if they lose. Yeah, but even more so, I think it's like, I think if Bama loses, they have a very hard time getting back into the top four. Um, whereas if LSU loses... They don't have as many quality wins. If LSU, LSU loses... LSU already has the quality wins. Right. Exactly. Because if Bama loses, like they're not going to be... I mean, I don't think they'd be in the SEC championship, right? I don't remember exactly how those divisions go. Um, I don't know. I'd have to research that. But I think from that that standpoint alone, if Bama loses, I think it's really hard to make a case for them to get back in. If LSU loses, a one-loss LSU could still, you know, theoretically bump a one-loss Big Ten team. Not going to say who that team would be, but if a Big Ten team had one loss,
1: but it would be Ohio State. Correct. <laughs> um, so
0: yeah, I think that's I think that's who we root for. Okay. Okay um all right so uh quick notes antonio shelton is suspended for this game defensive tackle for the spitting incident that happened in michigan state um it's unfortunate he came out and apologized after the game on twitter um i I really like antonio shelton he's someone who you've seen him speak his mind a bit on twitter but he seems like seems like a real genuine guy like I don't know. I don't obviously. I don't know him personally, but things I've seen from him, I've seen like some interactions. I think his mom on Twitter, like I don't know, just seems seems like a real genuine guy. It seems like one of those things you got caught up in the moment and did something you you're not proud of. Like I don't think this is a character
1: issue whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. I don't think this is like he's a, you know, like you said, not a character issue. Um, I do wonder, like what what made him feel this way, right? I, I don't see him being the kind of guy who – although I think he's like a passionate guy, I don't think he's like – I guess you say like needlessly passionate. Like he just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would get so pumped up that he'd spit at somebody. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, it, he must have felt something he was wronged in some way. Yeah, I think it's Not that that's an excuse, you know. You, no, You've got to be able to keep your head and, you know, we we consider ourselves to be a classy program that doesn't at any point include spitting at other players. Right. But it does make you wonder. Like, he just, he doesn't, I don't know. Like, there are yeah. certain guys where if they, if they spit at somebody, be like, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. We won't, we won't say names here because we don't need to do that. But like, yeah. yes, there are guys where you could think, oh, all right, maybe. Um, Antonio doesn't come off as that. It seems uncharacteristic for him. So yeah, you almost wonder, like, if they were mic'd up, like, what did that Michigan State guy say to get him to that point? Um, So unfortunate that we'll lose him, uh, but that does mean probably some increased snaps uh, for both Rob Windsor and P.J. Mustapher. Franklin mentioned that for those guys, probably 15 to 20 more snaps, uh, I think, combined between the two of them. Uh, I think Mustapher's really coming his own. I, like, of course, I'd love Antonio to be out there, but I'm not very worried about this one per se. Um,
1: Yeah, it's one of those losses that's like, you don't like that it happened, but it's also not the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. I think he's been a very good player He's not a starter, so so it's like, yeah. Yep. he adds great depth, but he's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, Antonio like- goes and the team goes with him. Right, exactly. So,
0: Antonio, you'll get it together. We'll see you back next week. We'll miss you, but. Um, Franklin did say today that he expects uh, John Reed and Noah Cain both to go, um, so both of those guys were banged up last game. Uh, if you remember, Reed went out, did not return. Noah Kane started the game, but then didn't come back in after that.
1: Um, and I'm going to go on record saying that I would have hit the over on his carries <laughs> had he not gotten injured.
0: Fair. 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 Yeah. 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 He was, I mean, he got the first two series, right? Starting the game. He had six carries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were looking More pretty good. More than halfway there. You were looking pretty good. Um, shout out to Noah Kane being listed as number one on the depth chart this week. Um, I was quickly corrected um, that. James Franklin does depth charts as reflective of the previous week who actually started the game. Did you know that? Nope. Um, I think this was Shane Lunnon. shout out Shane Lunnan, um, on Twitter, uh, said, I thought a couple years ago it was determined that depth charts are really what they went into the previous game. So Kane did get the start against Michigan state before he left after the first two series. That's why he's listed first. And I've seen, I've seen several other guys, uh, People mentioned that on Twitter too, so shout out Shane, you are right. Um, I'm still excited to see it in writing, though. <laughs> like It's yeah. still cool. So we know about it two weeks later, right. but fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think too, like, I don't know, if he, was, if he was not a full go or not ready, I don't know if they would list him as number one, so I'm hoping he's healthy, ready to go, and I hope he starts again. I agree. Um, all right, let's see. We got a bunch. There's so many tidbits here. Um, there's a lot to talk about, man. Um, I'm just, you know what? I'm just gonna read through these. You guys are gonna get some knowledge, some nuggets here, and then uh, Pat interrupt me and break down as as you see fit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Franklin did mention that uh, he thinks this is the best O line that we faced thus far. Uh, I don't know if you've seen their right tackle is like six foot nine, four hundred pounds. It's big, massive dude. Massive dude. I think their av- I think their average is something like three fifty. A lot of big boys um, out in Minnesota. Um, and you also mentioned this is the best wide receiving core that we're going to face. So I um, actually saw really that. even with Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah, I mean, th- I think I think more so of of the core. So there's three guys: uh, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, and Chris Autumn Bell form one of the best trios in the nation. This is from Minnesota's PR, so that's why it says best. Um, as they have combined the three of them for 80 catches, 100, I'm sorry, 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns. So between three guys, they're putting up a lot of stats. Um, that yeah. that is up there. I didn't capture all the notes, but that's up there with the trio that Alabama has, the the trio that LSU has, the trio that Clemson has. So these are some big-bodied wide receivers that our defensive backs are gonna have their hands full with. How do you see uh, how do you see that playing out? big
1: offensive line big time wide receivers um you know what I I think we're kind of a speedy defensive line anyway so I a big offensive line doesn't worry me a ton about how it will affect our game um, one thing it might affect is how effective we are against the run yeah just because like our ability to plug holes and like just block up space could be lessened there uh, as far as like the wide receivers I, the one thing that makes you worry is like the only weakness that I think our defensive backs has, are, are have been like their ball skills. Um, I think their coverage has been tremendous all season. It's just, sometimes you, it seems like too often receivers aren't able to make these great plays against our defensive backs because we haven't been good enough at playing the ball. Yeah, I think
0: that's fair. And, um, Somebody asked James Franklin about that today as I'm looking it up. Um, Yeah, it's different because, like, you know, we've seen some speedy receivers. You know, obviously our guys go against KJ all the time. They go against Jahan all the time. But, like, again, these guys are all, like, 6'2", you know, 200-pound, big-body receivers. Um, Somebody in, in the press conference asked him, said, I don't think anybody doubts the quality of coverage you guys have. It seems like a couple of chunk plays you've given up. Guys have been in position but have never really turned around to make a play on the ball. Is that me being dumb and not know what I'm talking about, or is there some truth to that? How do you evaluate those chunk plays that have unfolded in a single-covered situation? So first question, Pat, was that you in the room, and did you ask this question? Potentially. (laughs) I
1: love how the reporter... I will neither confirm
0: nor deny. (laughs) I love how the reporter says, is that just me being dumb? Like, great self-awareness. Like Because if Franklin came back and said... If he came back and said, like, no, 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 this is why that's happened, like, that's a cover-your-ass situation... Um, but he said, he goes, no, you're smart. You know that you're smart. Uh, he said, but I think the word never is a strong word. I wouldn't say that. I think we've made a bunch, bunch of great plays. Uh, but you're exactly right. Those 50, 50 balls, you know, um, against big, strong wide receivers, it's going to be more important that they're more 60, 40 balls our way, whether we come down with it or make sure that they don't. Um, and this is this is what I actually found pretty interesting. He said, but part of it is getting them off balance. They haven't really been off balance very much. Uh, they're in manageable third down situations. They're usually playing with the lead, so they're doing very little drop back passes. Uh, and he goes on to talk about how you know their quarterback uh, Tanner Morgan, I think it is, um, is super accurate. Puts the ball in places where his receivers can only get it. Um, but I thought that was really interesting to say like,
1: and you pointed out like to these inferior teams that they've played. They've been kind of comfortable. Yeah, I mean, they haven't faced like anything I would even call a good defense, let alone a great one in yeah. the states. Um, yep. I, I think what he said makes even more sense. Like, they're not in hard third down situations. They're playing with leads, cons- like constantly. It's way easier to do that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I, I do, I do. I do want to give credit. Like, those three wide receivers are all very good, and we're going to see some plays that are going to happen that might be a little uncharacteristic, but I I feel I feel okay about that because um, somebody asked. Like he said, he's like, this is, you know, this we haven't seen an offensive line this good all year, and then he quickly added, but they haven't seen a defensive line as good as ours. So it's like, yeah. you'll see some good on
1: good throughout this matchup. Um, one thing that I think you really have to consider, um, based on what Coach Franklin said, is like, They've basically been able to call whatever plays. They've been able to dictate the plays they want to call a season because of the situations they've been in. Yeah. Like probably for the first time, they're going to have to adjust their game plan because we're going to be shutting things down. There might, you know, hopefully we'll be playing from behind. They'll be in third and longs. They're going to have to call plays that they don't want. They're not the, you know, designed progression
0: of their play calls. Yeah. You got to make them uncomfortable. You got to get them out of their bread and butter. Um, They have been a power running team. So running backs between seven running backs. Rodney Smith is their lead guy, but they've run seven different running backs. Minnesota has a combined 1,600. No, what is this? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. This is is on the roster. I thought this was on the year. On the roster, 1,600 carries for 8,000 yards and 68 touchdowns. This is a dumb stat. Why did I copy this? Yeah. I don't Those, care about uh, the career. I Nobody feel gets... like they're not getting 1,000 yards a game on the ground. No, I was reading it. I thought that was saying 1,600 yards. Whatever, I'm over it. They got a guy, Rodney Smith. He's not bad. He's a pretty good runner. Um, their last three home games, this is an actual stat though. Um, keep in mind, these home games were Illinois, Maryland, and Nebraska. They rushed, rushed for 975 yards and 10 touchdowns across three games. So their run is their bread and butter our run defense is incredibly strong. So, again, a good on good. Um, a couple more things here, and then we'll get into some some numbers. Uh, Gophers are ranked ninth in the country and first in the Big Ten with 11 interceptions. So we've talked about how Cliff has been so good protecting the ball. Um, I think only three on the year, and one of those was that super dumb one that he knows he shouldn't have thrown at Michigan State. Um, so, again. And another one was also like a pretty
1: incredible play.
0: Yeah. So, again, good on good, right? They have 11 interceptions. Cliff has only really made one or two mistakes. Um, quarter, quarterback Tanner Morgan is among the Big Ten leaders in multiple categories, highlighted by an average of 15.6 yards per completion um, to lead the Big Ten and rank fifth in all of FBS. So, again, he's getting chunk plays with those big-time receivers. Um, Very fratty name, too, Tanner Morgan. Tanner Morgan, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's wearing some Sperry's crushing a natty right now. Yeah. Big beer bottles, for sure. Tanner. There's a guy in my frat named Tanner. Um, Shout out, Tanner. Uh, And the story goes is that when he was pledging, because he was older than me, he introduced people as, you might be tan, but I'm Tanner. So bad. It's so bad. If any of my Penn State guys are listening, shout out to Tanner. Um, Anyway, uh, last couple tidbits. Penn State has won its last 12 games against the Big Ten West dating back to an overtime win against Minnesota on October 1st 2016. I remember that game I remember that game it was a good one so th- this includes the the Big Ten championship over Wisconsin we have not lost to a Big Ten West team since Northwestern in 2015 that's streak you got to keep alive you gotta keep it alive um, and then the last one this one comes from Derek Laverse Laverse I don't know how you say his name on Twitter uh, said a strange quirk. Minnesota has not faced a first team quarterback for a full game since September 7th at Fresno State. Interesting, huh? I'm starting to see why they're ranked 17th. Georgia Southern, their starter, did not play. Purdue, Cindelar was hurt early. Illinois, Peters was hurt early. Nebraska, Adrian Martinez, did not play. Rutgers, has uh... no first turn quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, move on. I don't even care what happened there. Uh, and then Maryland Jackson had one drive, so they've played pretty much backup quarterbacks their whole time. Um, and again, like I'm, I'm saying all of these things, and it's like I'm trying to drill into my brain, like, don't look over this game, don't look over this game, don't look over this game, because like everything just tells me that this shouldn't be as close as people are projecting it to be. But most of the time, when I say that, it ends up being just as close as people projected to be. So. um yeah, man, it's, it's – do you want to run through, like, all the stats like we normally do? Have we beaten this? Run it through, yet? baby. All right, fine. We'll run it through. Uh, listeners, hope you like some numbers because here we go. All right, um, let's do Minnesota offense versus our defense. Minnesota offense, 38.4 points per game. We are allowing 9.6. We are far and away the best defense they have played up until this point. I have a stat on that coming back in a minute. Rushing yards, 204 yards per game. Um so they like I said love to run the ball, they've been efficient running the ball. However, we are only allowing 68.4 yards per game, which is second Plus in the country. 600. Second in the country and even better, only allowing 1.88 yards per rush, which is first in the nation. That barely qualifies as yards. It's not even yards. It's almost yard. (laughs) Um, So good on good. They're passing 225 uh, for them. We're giving up 211. Pretty close. Uh, Third down. This is a big one. They are converting third downs at a 50% rate, which is eighth in the country. That is impressive. Really impressive. Um, We are only giving up third downs at a 30% clip, which is 15th in the country. So... All Again, so impressive. I'm beating the dead horse here, with good on good. Um, their red zone offense, 92.5%, 37 for 40. They've had a lot of trips into the red zone. Um, 32 touchdowns, 5 field goals, so they're very efficient there. Um, sacks allowed, they're averaging 2 per game, as opposed to we are sacking them uh, 3.75 per game, which is 7th in the
1: country, so... A lot of things happening here. It's just hard to evaluate how good this Minnesota team is. It is. It really it is. It seems like they haven't played anybody. It is. So let's do. This and that doesn't side. mean they're bad.
0: No, it's just it's questionable. It's just Very, they can't like...
1: be as good as these
0: stats. Right. And I, I have, I have one, one trick up my sleeve that I'm gonna save for the end of the numbers segment. Oh, save it. I think it's exciting. But let's do the flip side: Penn State offense versus Minnesota defense, because um, they actually have a pretty decent defense as well. Again, granted, whoever they play. Um, Penn State, 38.5 points per game. So that's kind of funny. They're averaging 38.4. We're averaging 38.5. Very close. Um, But we're averaging 38.5 on our offense. They are only allowing 20. Uh, We are averaging 107 rushing yards. They're giving up 117. So pretty close there. Um, We're averaging 252 passing yards. They're only giving up 166. So their pass defense is pretty good. Uh, We're converting third downs at a 40% clip. Getting better, not terrible. Um, they are allowing them thirty-five percent of the time, so pretty close. Um, our red zone offense is very good as well—ninety-three uh, and a half percent, twenty-nine for thirty-one. Um, we're allowing—we're allowing one point seven five sacks per game. Um, they're only getting two point three eight. So. We know we've we've kind of highlighted our O line recently. We're hoping this is going to be a good game for them, keeping keeping Clifford clean, keeping him upright, and, and giving him a pocket to play. Um, yeah, that's a lot of numbers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up here, and I'm gonna shut up, and, and you're gonna start doing some predictions. Okay. Um, I went through, and, and this is early this morning before work because I don't know something was just bugging me, and I was like, I need to I need to see need to see these numbers. So Penn State, I'm sorry, Minnesota, their offense averaging 38.4 points per game. Everyone talks about Tanner Morgan, these big-time receivers, and their offense is electric. So I went through and I looked at all of their opponents and how much they're giving up per game. Average is 28. So there's a decent bit of a difference there, right? They're scoring 38. Their opponents are averaging 28. Decent bit of a difference, right? Um, Penn State, on the other hand, kinda similar to be honest. We're scoring 38.5, our opponents are averaging 22. So about 16 point difference. So a little bit of a swing there where Penn State's offense looks better. But here is where I think it gets really, really interesting. The difference between the teams that they've played so far versus the team they are about to play, meaning us, is massive. They're, the teams they've played so far are averaging 28 points giving up each game. We are averaging 9.6. That is a huge discrepancy. On yeah. the other side of it, the teams that we have played thus far are averaging giving up 22.6 points per game. Minnesota is giving up 20. That's right on par. Like, does that make sense? That's true. Yes. Like, It does make sense. I'm seeing think, it. I'm seeing it, Chris. I might have to tweet this out because I think it's pretty – because I saw a lot of people tweeting like, oh, they faced this this ranked defense, the 1, the 5, the 9, the 12, like, you know what I mean, like by just number. I like looking at the number of points though because I think that's huge. Like the best defense they've played from a point given up on the season, South Dakota Purdue. State. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I Sorry, I, yeah. I spoiled the alert there. I should have actually let you guess. What was your guess, Purdue. Purdue. No, Purdue's one of the worst. Um eh, maybe not the worst, but but South Dakota State at sixteen points per game. Some of the other teams that the defenses they've played, Fresno 32, uh, Rutgers 36, Maryland 30, Nebraska 30. Um, and I know we have some overlap in Purdue and and Maryland, but like you look at the teams we've played, Buffalo 22, Michigan State 22, Pitt 20, Michigan 17, Iowa ten. Like Big difference. If you want to compare, our offenses are are damn near identical as points scored. We're doing it against a lot better defenses, and their defense is in line with what we've seen where we are just
1: another level from what they've seen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a much bigger adjustment for them playing us than us playing them. Yes. It's really what it comes down to.
0: Yes. that's. I think that's the point I'm trying to make in a very long-winded <laughs> way. Uh, so that wraps up uh, Stats with Chris. We'll have to come up with a good name for that segment. Um, but let's get into predictions. We're running out about an hour on this episode already. Um,
1: what's your key to victory? There's, there's a lot we've talked about through here, but what is your key? Consistency. I think we've got to score all game, you know? I, th- I think if we give them a chance to be in it, they're going to hang around, and that, that's when they can pull something off. But if we just play the same way most of the game, I think, you know, we put our foot on the gas, we never let it up, and there's a chance that they could never be in the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's spot on. Um, I think we've talked about this a ton of, like, the, the games where we have these fast starts, is super, super exciting, and then we let the foot off and let teams get back in. And then there's these other games where we get off to a slow start. No, we're second half team. We come back and it's like, you have these flashes in the pan, man. I think, I think really when you go back to like a complete game, you might have to go back to like Maryland for like a a true complete game where we felt like we were in control the entire time. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe there's another one or two that I'm missing, but like, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's consistency. Um, yeah, I think my key and this is super cliche, but it's gonna be third down um we've we've seen when the drives start to fall apart that's when the offense really lulls um, I mean this is common sense this is not a hot take right if you're if you're not converting third down, your offense is gonna fall apart. but I think that is so much more taxing on our defense because of how much we ask from them. Um, I think offensively we need to be able to String together drives. Keep their defense on the field. Keep this quote-unquote prolific offense that they're about to come out with. Keep them off the field. And Franklin talked about it in the press conference because someone asked him that. Like, how do, how do you do that? And he said, he's like, he's like, I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is trying to change your identity for a single opponent. So, like we're not going to change who we are. Like you're still going to see the big plays. You're still going to see the deep shots, but I think it's, uh, and I don't, I don't know what the answer to this is or else I'd be an offensive coordinator. Um, But I think it's Ricky Ronnie finding a way to, when we have a lead, when we go up early, find a way, like you said, to be consistent. I think it comes down to those third downs. So not a hot take by any means, but that is my key to victory. Um, Don't be surprised if, do don't be
1: surprised if this is a blowout man Ooh, I love
0: it I love it I love it I, so much.
1: I think there's a chance that we just kill them and I'm not saying that like it's even a like a great chance but they've just they haven't seen an even remotely good team let alone I, I I think Penn State right now is a great team yeah I thought you were
0: gonna say elite for a second and I was gonna say eh, maybe uh um, great we're great. I think we're great. I think we're, I think we're like upper great, very great at this point. Um, yeah, I love that, man. Um, I don't know, man. There's so many. Like, I went through this. Don't be surprised. There's so many different things I want to pick. And, I, like, I think I'm wrong every week on my don't be surprised. So, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the well. Got to keep doing this until it happens. Don't be surprised if there's a return for a touchdown. Um, be then, even less
1: surprised if it gets called back.
0: Yeah, we're, we're so damn
1: <laughs> close. What are we, Two have got two of them? Two <laughs> yeah. them called back
0: now? Yep. Um, so don't be surprised if it happens. Be less surprised if it gets called back. Uh, and then I'm, I'm going to do it one more time, man. Don't be surprised if Justin Shorter finally gets involved in this offense. Okay. I, I'm going right. to make a promise to the listeners. I will get more creative for the last couple of games of the season. This is the Come last off time. the bye week, these. Sean Clifford. Working on those progressions. I so, like it. I'm saying, I, I think... Like it. I think with the bye week, like there's there's a lot of there's a lot to do in a bye week of not just getting ready for Minnesota, but self-scouting, I think was the term that Franklin used, is like really taking a hard look in the mirror. Um and it's just it's been harped on so much and we didn't didn't see it last week. I think it's gotta be the week. Like they are they're gonna be super keen on KJ Hamler, as everyone is. Um, they have a couple of they have a couple of really good players in their secondary that um, I think they might take one and, and kind of shadow KJ a bit. They're going to be super keying on Friermuth after his big game. I don't know, man. It just seems like it's got to happen at some point. And I say shorter, but maybe it's Daniel George, whoever is in that position. Like one of these days, they got to got to got to break out. Um, all right, the line uh, it it's fluctuating. Six and a half, seven, somewhere in that area. Take what you want. Over, under is at 47 and a half. What are you?
1: Are you taking the classic Galicchio? the Galicchio classic? I am not. Whoa! What do you got? I'm taking the Hank and hard line. Penn God State and the over.
0: <laughs> I, love the, I love the alliteration. I love the name. I hate that we're taking the same damn bet. I got the Hank and hard line as well. <laughs> um, you say you said don't be surprised if it's a blowout so you're expecting a lot of points with that 47 and a half what's uh what's your final prediction uh 42 to 14 Ooh, 42 14 okay we're not far off i am at 34 17 um and realistically that's just me hedging my bets because i think we're going to score more than 34 to be honest um, that's like okay. If we don't, I'll be right.
1: I was gonna say thirty five fourteen, but I changed my last minute. I changed my mind.
0: I'm okay with that. Points points, points, Like yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like yes, this is a huge game for Minnesota. First time they're eight zero in however many years. They were pining for college game day. The stadium isn't even sold out yet. From what I was reading on Twitter today, like I don't know. It just it seems like it seems like one of those classic games where a team who has historically been not great. It's gonna get up for this game, get super excited, and unfortunately get let down. Like I, I think, I think Penn State handles business. Um, it's just it seems too obvious. Everyone in the world is talking about how this is gonna be a close one and how PJ Fleck and and this and that. And I don't know, man. I don't know. I hope I'm not jinxing us. Knock on wood. I feel um, like
1: it, it, it's God blowout potential. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm okay with that. So, all right, let's wrap up. We have two quick Twitter Twitter questions. Um, I did a bad job of tweeting this one, guys. It was bye week. Apologize. Uh, we do have one quick voicemail from Sweets. Let's throw that in right now. Sweets, hang on, hang on. I'm probably not even gonna edit this, so you guys are gonna hear all of this. Um, Pat, you still got me. I got you. All right, and here we go. Good morning and happy eight and O tweens checking in on the bye week I'm actually heading into work right now, and I'm just trying to think up different ways that we could use all of our talent on the offensive side of the ball to create some more mismatches and to show some different looks. The bye weeks the best time to be able to work in some new offensive plays the teams haven't seen. So I'm just trying to think of some creative ways that maybe we run two back sets or we run some different looks that's going to throw off these good teams that we're getting ready to play in Minnesota and then down the road Ohio State. So I was just wondering if you guys had any ideas of some different plays, formations, stuff that they could insert during the bye week to throw a little extra wrinkle in and maybe give us an advantage we need down the line on a tough game. Thoughts? Excited for the bye week and moving into the rest of the season. Thanks. So
1: shout-out to Uh Love, love yeah, Coming in with some very technical
0: questions. Yeah, and shout-out our only voicemail uh, only voicemail call. i through a couple weeks. We'll get that going in the following weeks as well. Uh, yeah, super technical questions. So, Pat, um, what offensive formations and schemes do you have? I assume you've sent them in to, to Ricky Rowney already.
1: Of course. Okay. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I should pay more attention to the formations we're running if I'm going to really answer this question. <laughs> However, I don't. Yep. And so I'm going to say I'd like to see some, maybe some like trips formation to isolate KJ on one side of the field. Um, I also wouldn't mind seeing some trips to I- isolate Justin Shorter, get him a little, you know, no safety help over top things like that. Uh, two back set sounds pretty interesting, especially with all the running back talent we have. I could uh, I could mess with that. We seem like we run a good amount of two tight end, and I like that. Uh, I, I it seems like Ricky Ronnie James Franklin are a little um, resistant to having an extra back and one less receiver. So two back, uh, I'd be a little, I don't think we'll see much of it, but it would be interesting. I'd be, I'd also be interested to see a little, uh, with, you know, what always talked about ever increasing athleticism of Sean Clifford and his running success, maybe a little pistol formation. Oh, you know, see, so, yeah, uh, see where that gets us. That
0: might be a little aggressive. I don't think we're getting quite there yet. <laughs> you're, you're getting too he's, close to under center. He's, he's no Lamar Jackson. You're getting too close to under center. Um, yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like I'm not a am not an X's and O's guru. Um but I think uh talking about trips formations, I think I think the way you see that a lot right now is with Muth as one of those guys, and typically it's a very designed play for one of them, right? So it's it's Dots and KJ and Fryermuth all on the same side. It's yes, it should be isolation for shorter, but more often than not it's like the touch the first touchdown of Muth where he slips under and goes out. Things like that. Um We've seen the two back set sometimes, uh, and it, it's super interesting because you get you know a lot of options out of that look. It's one where I think you could get Ricky Slade involved as a pass catcher. Uh, you know, if you're you know doing some sort of like RPO with say Noah or Journey, and then Ricky's fading out as a, as a receiver. Um, yeah, I think I think we've started to see a little bit more, a little bit more every week. Um, finally got our week seeing Pat Frymouth involved, which I loved. Um, You know, you see the jet sweeps with KJ. You see the different things they try to get him in space. I don't know. I think think at this point in the season, like, you're going to see a couple more wrinkles. But, like, I don't think you should be expecting, like, a ton of new bells and whistles. You know, it's like, we're at the ninth game of the season. You know, the offense is who it is. Sure, you have some tricks up your sleeves for these big games. And hopefully you'll see some of it. But, like Franklin said, you're not going to see a new identity at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, so like I said, only two Twitter questions. Apologies for not tweeting this out better. Um, Nick Rocky, shout out NL Rocky, uh, said, I think the season will be determined by the coaches. There's enough talent on this team to stand with anyone in college football this year. The play calling and game strategy
1: is what's going to decide the fate this year. Thoughts? Um, I don't know. I mean, like that kind of decides everything every year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I like, and I think we kind of just answered that too. It's like, yeah, You're never like, going
1: to see a great football
0: team without a good coach. Yeah, it goes both ways, right? And a great coach can only do so much without the talent. So yeah, I think, I think the way I take this is more so we're at the point in Franklin's career.: You'll see more
1: teams with talent that underperform than like, I don't, know, like a team that doesn't have a good coach that somehow makes it. yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. like it's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think I think we're at the point where Franklin has probably the best overall talent he's had on a team, um, just from an athleticism point and, and skill set position. I mean, maybe look back at some of those early early teams, but um, yeah, I I I, I agree. Uh, like you hear me say Ricky Ronnie's name every single week. Um, like, yeah, I th- I think it's gonna come down to them being able to finish games. Like we you know like we've said like. It was great to see them finish at Iowa, despite everything. It was great to see them finish against Michigan at home, despite the comeback. Like you're going to have to finish games, and a lot of that comes down to coaching, but a lot of it comes down to execution. So I know that's like a very middleman answer, but
1: yeah, I think I think it's got to be both. Um, and we'll wrap up one more. Yeah, we, I mean, let's kinda... not forget that the you know the kind of the knock on James Franklin and Ricky Ronnie over the years has been we get leads and then we lose. So I mean, right. you still have to be happy about the fact. Even though these teams are getting back in it, we're winning. Right, exactly. And well, that's, that's what good, I mean. good teams do is they win.
0: Yeah, great game. Great teams cover. But, uh, <laughs> yes, good teams finish, and, and that's what we're finally doing. Like, these are the games historically that we've either blown or come out flat or whatever. So, like, yeah, I think we're in a really good spot right now, and it's about executing now on, on both the coaching staff and the players. So um, the blueprint's there. You know what you got to do. Four more games, go out and win them. Uh, last one, we've answered this uh, – Previously, but shout out to Chris at Lions26 who writes into us a lot. Do you think Lime Grover's job is safe after the way the line has held up the last few weeks? I think yes. Very much. Yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, we've we've trashed that man enough. Things have turned around and, and that old line is looking better. Hopefully he's turned a corner too. Hopefully we see a lot of good things out of him. So a um, little, little bit of a longer episode, but uh, yeah. Number four in the first CFP rankings of the year, 8-0 versus 8-0 huge huge game
1: um damn 9 a.m for you pat huh it's an early one and isn't it uh oh yeah no, no it's, it is 9 a.m because it's 12 eastern time 12 11, eastern 11 minnesota, minnesota time central dumbass central time yeah, uh, i'll say the whatever they're on be in the back
0: on the east coast this is one thing I, I i'm okay with i don't mind not getting up at 9 a.m for a penn state game um yeah thanks everyone for listening um yeah, check out uh, check out the giveaway. Like I said on Thursday, make sure to retweet that video. Uh, donate to Sack Hunger, really really great cause. And uh, let's go get a win. Let's go to nine and zero. Let's beat the
1: shit out of Minnesota and finish finish this mission. And I know how excited we all are for Saturday, but let's not forget this Sunday. Your number one ranked Nittany Lions wrestling open up the season <laughs> November tenth against Navy.
0: Oh geez, I knew that was coming at some point, guys. 2 p.m.
1: Eastern Time,
0: listeners. We've made it a while. We've we've got through without a wrestling update, but it's back, baby. We're back. Um, for anyone who is a new listener, uh, maybe didn't listen last season. Pat is our Penn State wrestling aficionado. Um, I know next to nothing. I, I I will watch a little bit here and there. I'll follow along on Twitter and I'll get very excited and support the team. But Pat is our expert. So as things happen, as they occur, he'll make sure to give us updates throughout the season um yeah but right now minnesota 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 pat any last words for the listeners navy 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 i (laughs) listen i love wrestling i support the hell out of them right now it's football season minnesota 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 Minnesota. (laughs) we are